Welcome to Kashmir on the Air, your weekly radio show dealing with kosher issues for the kosher consumer. And I'm your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, editor of Kashmir Magazine. And definitely we're happy to be back. Unbelievable. There's been so much going on on the station. And Baruch Hashem, the, the station is up now. And we hope to be on the radio. And uh, you'll hear us uh, live as, as often as we can be that way, and right now we are. So uh, I, I, wanted, I, want, I know a lot of people did not hear the, uh, the station for a few days, and so I want to check and see who's listening today. And I'm going to do that in two ways. One, we're going to speak, um, uh, we're going to speak on the... Uh, <laughs> we're going to speak of, uh, on, and live on calling in, and also I just want people to tell me that, they are, that they're hearing what we're talking about now, we're hearing what we're talking about now, and therefore I want you to do me a favor. Scribble down our email address, that's my email address, Kashmir's Magazine, and just send an email, say, I'm listening. That's all we want. Uh, Kashmir's Magazine's email address is K-A-S-H-R-U-S at AOL.com. K-A-S-H-R-U-S at AOL.com. Just send me an email and say, I'm listening. We want to be able to see how many people we have listening tonight. Without further ado, we're going to discuss uh, a little bit about Chomet Shalva Pesach, which is the topic for tonight. And I want you to call in whenever you feel you have something to discuss about our topic, and then we'll open it up a little later for general questions. Chomet Shalva Pesach is a very important thing that we all connect with because the halacha is that, of course, we can't have any uh, we can't have any chametz during Pesach. If a person has chametz on Pesach, then he gets a, a nevera, and uh, it's a very severe one, an onish, a very severe onesh, and uh, he has to get rid of it. So what we do is we burn the chametz before Pesach, we sell the chametz to a goy, and many people misunderstand. They think they sell the chametz to the rabbi. Uh, I know the rabbis don't buy any of the chametz, but they use it. They, they're just agents to sell it to uh, somebody else for you, and uh, they sell it to a non-Jew, and then they buy the chametz back after Pesach, so that you have it uh, now that you it becomes your chametz now. But during that time in between, it's not your chametz, and there is no avera in the fact that it's still in your house in a closed cabinet, and that's how we, we conduct ourselves with the sale of chametz. But the problem comes up after Pesach. Everybody has a different idea of what to do with the chametz. We want to fill our houses again with pasta, with bread, with cookies, with crackers, all the things, even chametz matzahs we want to get. And how are we going to get all these things? So, of course, you can bake everything new afterwards, and they, there are people who put stickers on saying, Gebach nach Pesach, that they baked it after Pesach. And uh, hopefully that's accurate. Sometimes, unfortunately, people, uh, uh, <laughs> to get ahead of the game, they put it on before Pesach. Okay, so we, we try our best to believe that everybody is doing it, baking it all after Pesach. But that's not going to work. It's not going to be enough things. There's plenty of stuff out there, and people want to eat for a few weeks. And so what are we supposed to do? So there's different approaches, and we're going to discuss the topic briefly now. Whatever you hear here is uh, giving you a digest of information, I'm not taking responsibility that, uh, we, that you ha- should follow 
only what we say here today. You could consult your own Rav and base what you do on his, his uh, guidance because everybody has a little bit different take on this important halacha. Just let's get a little background on the actual halacha. What does it say in Shulchan Aruch? In Shulchan Aruch it says that we have to rid ourselves of the chametz, and one of the methods we could do is to sell it to a non-Jew. And that, but that sale has to be called a mechira gemura, a full 100% bona fide sale. Then we don't have a problem with chametz after Pesach. But let's say somebody had chametz and didn't sell it, or he didn't sell it properly, then he has what we call chametz sha'ova alova Pesach. Pesach passed, and he had chametz during that time. And now, even though Pesach is over, and one could eat chametz, but the Rabbanim, the Chazal, instituted a halacha, that chametz sha'ova alova Pesach is also b'hanah. You can't buy it, you can't use it, you can't sell it, you can't give it to anybody, nobody can eat it, even though they need about this. So somebody else could have Chomet Shalom Pesach, and it affects you. That's the problem that comes up, and it's a very serious problem in certain areas. One of the, probably the most uh, interesting one is the question of whiskey, which we're going to discuss briefly. But it's a, it's a big problem for us, because we now have a responsibility to make sure that we don't eat so the basic approach uh, is as follows. You have a few choices, and different Rabbanim give you a different order of which should be number one. You have one choice, obviously, is to buy immediately after Pesach from a non-Jew, because the non-Jew has absolutely no responsibility to, uh, to, to sell his chametz. He can have chametz on Pesach. In fact, <laughs> there are places, and I know this for a fact, and I was involved in this a little bit uh, with an out-of-town Vada Kashrus where there was a little bit of an is- issue that came up. Uh, the Vada Kashrus and a lot of the Kashrus organizations permit companies to put on their kosher label for Pesach. I think that all the Albertsons across the country, uh, they, they say, uh, the ones that have an OU on, on the bakery, they say OU. Uh, they don't say, they took off the words, I think they took, try to take off the words uh, Pas Yisrael. I think they try to take it off. But the words OU certified are going to be on all the Albertsons packaged uh, breads and cakes and whatever that were made on Pesach. And after Pesach, it's going to say OU. And boxes and boxes of different um, d- d- different foods are going to say OU or OK or some other hashkacha after Pesach, and they were actually made on Pesach. And we have a right to go right away and buy, if it's a, go- a non-Jewish company, we have a right to buy it after Pesach. And that's one legitimate way to get chametz after Pesach, because they have no responsibility to take care of the sale of, of, of chametz for Pesach. And therefore, that's one method we could use. But this has a lot of tricks to it. Because when you go into a non-Jewish setting, so now we have a, a company. Let's take one of the big uh, supermarket chains. Uh, let's say, for example, uh, ShopRite. So 
there are hundreds and hundreds of shop rights across the country or whatever area they're covering. And uh, these stores are open all throughout Pesach, and they're selling chametz the entire time. Now, do we have to have any concern? So what happens is, uh, over the years we've studied, it's been studied, and they found out that, sure enough, the shop rights, there is no company that is ShopRite. ShopRite is a conglomerate of individually owned stores. In other words, one owner may have five shop rights, 10 shop rights, 20 shop rights, or even maybe one, but there's no such thing as the shop right company. Uh, it really is that everybody owns his individual shop rights. So you could have, as many of those shop rights were owned by uh, Jews. So you can have Jewish owned shop rights and non Jewish owned shop rights, and you wouldn't necessarily know which one is which. Because you'll just see the, the sign out says, says ShopRite. If you go deep into their papers, you'll find out that one is called Big V. That's the real name of the, of, of the ShopRite company. They just associate with ShopRite. But the official name of their company is Big V or some other name. Big V happens to be one of them. So Big V or some other name. And, that, and that's the real company. The real owner is a Jew, and he has a responsibility to sell all his chametz for Pesach. And yet he's open all Pesach selling his chametz. I mean, selling, selling to everybody who comes in. So now that needs a sale. So people realized that, and they went ahead, and they tried to sell the chametz for this Jew. And different rabbis did it, and different shop rights, and different uh, path marks, and different whatever they are. All these across the country, these supermarkets, when they realized that one of them is owned by a Jew, so somebody went ahead and tried to arrange for the sale. And this leads us to a different question. Now we have a man who sold his chametz, but he's open for business. He's taking new chametz in on Pesach, and he's selling uh, what product that he had, so even if he sold it to a non-Jew for the eight days of Pesach, he took it right off the shelf. There wasn't any secret hiding place. It wasn't in a, a cupboard. He took it right off the shelf, and he let, they went to the checkout, and somebody bought it on Pesach. So he stole from the goy, or he invalidated the sale. So this is a very, very big problem, very big shiloh. There are those who were makel on this and those who are machmir. But Moshe Feinstein was makel. But Moshe Feinstein felt that it's still a valid sale, that for that time he sold it to a non-Jew. He signed the paper. He, he, he gave it over to a rabbi. He may have given the rabbi a few bucks the first time. And it, it was a sale, proper sale to a non-Jew. And yet he's open eight days of Pesach doing business, and uh, how, how can this work? So Rav Moshe Feinstein said, it's true. He stole from the goy, or he, he, he definitely uh, was doing something wrong, but it doesn't invalidate the sale. So people ask, one second, the guy's open eight days, so the whole thing's a fake. The answer is, it's not a fake. That's what Rav Moshe said. But Moshe said, I'll try to read you the words if we have a few minutes. Um, the, but Moshe said, it's not a fake because that man 
I know he has not, hasn't got a yarmulke. I know he's in the store on Yom Tov. I know he doesn't keep very much at all. But that man doesn't want to get another Avera if he could limit it. That man has some kind of awareness that I've lessened by selling that chametz. I'm lessening the problem that I have right here. He may not be motivated to become Shomer Torah Mitzvahs, but he may have in his heart a certain amount of uh, a certain amount of sincerity regarding the actual sale. It's explained to him that way, and perhaps he takes it on that level of seriousness. So that's the um, uh, that's one of the uh, reasons that Ramosha says that it would be acceptable. He says, uh, even though he didn't do believe Sholem, he knew it was a little bit of a trick. But he has this in mind that he would like to lessen, uh, he'd, like, he'd like to get around the problem of chametz to the degree that he possibly can. You don't say, says Rabbi Moshe, you don't say he didn't mean this thing at all. And therefore, to him it was simple, Rabbi Moshe Feinstein held, that this is considered to be an acceptable type of sale. And he mentioned this uh, back um, uh, over si- uh, 60 years, about 60 years ago, the tshuva was written. So th- that's the way most of the people conducting themselves in America. They're making these sales of, for these supermarkets, etc. Is that ideal? Definitely not. It's not an ideal situation because we do know that the man is cheating. But uh, we, it lessens it somewhat. And many people do rely on these sales, and they go and buy in the store. So that would work, except for one problem. Again, that's only according to some you can go buy in those stores, but it, it's uh, right after Pesach. But the problem is that during Pesach, they're getting more product. And a lot of times that product comes from somebody who himself didn't sell the chametz, because the, one of the biggest distributors in this area is CNS, and there's a big question mark, even if they sells it, what he does. And therefore the, therefore, the supply of food that's coming in is already questionable. So we have now new product coming in on Pesach. But not only that, right after Pesach, he starts getting more deliveries. And he's getting again from people who didn't sell the chametz. So we have a problem with these stores until such time as totally new product comes in. Uh, every Rav, and every cashless organization gives a different number of how long you have to wait before you buy in these stores. For bread or for cake that, sp- that spoils, probably two weeks is enough, maybe even less. But things that can be kept a long time, they have a long shelf life, you definitely have need much longer. And even though the supermarkets do change over very quickly, the common theory is that you should wait until Lagba Omer, and some say till Shvuas before you go shopping in those stores where there is a Mechiritz Chametz problem. And even in the non Jewish stores, if they've had delivery, when they, since they had deliveries after Pesach. So that uh, takes care of that kind of a store. A non Jewish supermarket that really is non Jewish, nobody owns it that's a Jew. And the majority of the, uh, the stockholders, majority of the shares of stock are in the hands of non-Jews and uh, doesn't have a Jewish manager 
or anybody uh, of that nature who could ha- could sway the make a decision about the uh, for the store. If that's the fact that they're really a non-Jewish store, then you have a right to go right after Pesach and buy there, assuming that majority or almost everything is really uh, not chametz sheavod or Pesach. And that's what my Rebbe Zatzal used to recommend, to go to a non-Jewish store. And I asked him, where? Where can I go? So he told me, Skatura Brothers. This is back many years ago, and I don't know if we still have Skatura Brothers. I saw one on Still Avenue once, and uh, I don't know if we have them, and I don't know if they're non-Jewish owned anymore. I tried to inquire a number of years ago, and I only got so far. And it's, it, it, you don't really have all the information in front of you about ownership because sometimes the family stays in the limelight so that they'll think it's this Italian family, Scaturo, who owns it, when in fact it may be some kind of other corporation, which may be under control of a, a board of directors, of which the chairman of the board was a Jew, and according to many, that's an issue. So it gets very complex to decide which one of these supermarkets is really a non-Jewish supermarket, and even then, the problem comes up right after Pesach. You can go the next day, but after a few days, you have a problem with new product coming in, which may come from these, uh, non, these Jewish people who are not from, who are uh, selling them product. So some people stock up right away the night of, after Pesach, and they buy enough till Shavuos. That's one answer. There are other, the other answer I'll discuss in one moment. But I must tell you a story that goes back over 20 years ago. We were up in the bungalow colony, and there was a little store there. It was in Swan Lake. The store is not there anymore. It's not the one that's there now in Swan Lake. It is a small store that doesn't exist anymore. And uh, I went into that store, and we're looking for different things. And sure enough, it was a Jewish-owned store, and I spotted a, uh, some pasta and uh, somewhere off in the corner there, I, st- I found some pasta, and I looked at it, and I couldn't believe my eyes. That box of pasta had a layer of dust on it that indicated it's been sitting there for much, much more than Pesach. So here we had proof positive that they do not always put new product in, and it's very possibly chometz she'ava alava Pesach. So you, even though the rule of thumb is, let's say, shvuas uh, is your safe, but if you're talking about a man pa store, these little stores, stuff could stay there for who knows how long, and a person has to make sure that the proper mechiris chavmins was made, and don't assume that something came in after Pesach, and it's already now all new material, new, new foods. It may very well have been there for a very, very long period of time. So what are we left with? We have a problem with the uh, the Jewish man who sells his chametz, and he is uh, open and selling chametz on Pesach. We have a problem with the non-Jew because he could be buying from the the uh, from the from the non-religious. Jewish suppliers. So what do we have left that we could rely upon uh, without any concern? So another, another option is that, uh, of course, we bought right away after Pesach from the non-Jew. That would be one opportunity. But another thing is we buy from a Jewish-owned store, and he sold 
his chametz. He sold his chametz for Pesach. He's a Yeresha Mayim. He's a God-fearing man. He davens every day. Shachras Minchin Marav. He seems to be upgehitten. He seems to be careful in all his mitzvahs. Why not go to him and let him uh, sell his chametz to a rabbi, through a rabbi, I'm sorry, to the goyim, and if the Pesach, he buys it back, and you go to his store, and you buy from him. And that definitely is a very simple solution. But here, people raise a different question. Rabbi Wickler, you got a problem with the friar yid, non-religious Jew, selling his chametz to a non-Jew and then selling it on Pesach. I'm telling you that Mr. So-and-so, who has the store over here, he knows that people race into his store after Pesach. He knows that he has to be ready with an unbelievable amount of food because people switch back from Pesach to Chometz and they fill their houses up again from beginning to end. And that's the best shopping he has all year because especially when there's Pesach stores that take away his business. So here he's got the business coming back to him. And people spend 500 600 or maybe $1,000 after Pesach on buying all the things that they need to get back into the houses. And if he loses out on this, he's finished. This is one of his major times during the year. So he's going to stuff up his store with every box of chametz he could possibly get in the store so that he'll be ready for Motzei Pesach. That right after you put away the, while you're putting away the case, pace of Kalim, you send somebody out to the store to buy something so you can have fresh, they make something pasta or whatever it is, or flour, and you're going to make something. And he, he must be open. He must have that. So you're telling me, Rabbi Wickler, that he sells his chomets to the goy? He needs it. So here is a good question. And my Rebbe felt strongly that. Uh, it better be go to the goy, but it, especially to the, especially to uh, you know right after Pesach to somebody that was really definitely not Jewish, and then you could buy everything. But here we have an, another alternative, and it's a good alternative if you believe that he sold his chametz properly. Now he definitely did a sale. The question is, what does he have in his heart? So I'll tell you, it depends what he expects to do. If he would sell all this chametz to the goy at one shot, it's true. He might not be able, he might have a problem for some of his customers. Maybe they'd have to buy spring water in his store. But really, he could uh, make a lot of money from that sale. So most people would be willing to uh, sell it to the non-Jew if it really came, push came to shove. So it isn't such a false sale. And secondly, the Swarim discussed that maybe you don't have to have that degree of commitment in the sale because everybody sort of knows that the, uh, it's, that it's going to come back to them after Pesach, that the, the rabbi is going to buy it back. In fact, most people just open up the cabinets right after Pesach. They don't call the rabbi up. They don't wait any period of time. They're sure he took care of it. My rabbi for sure took care of it. I don't have to check it up. And that's not, that, that means that you didn't really, I mean, how much of a sale did you really think it was? 
So it is a, if it's a problem for that store owner, it probably is a problem for you too, especially if you have a liquor supply and especially if you have a simcha coming up and you're storing some stuff because you expect right after Pesach to have a simcha. So it does become a little sticky for everybody. And this is definitely an opportunity to rely on a frumayit. Years ago, I spoke with a, an Adam Choshev, a Rav Shimon Eider, and I discussed this issue with him, and he told me as follows. He said, let's remember that it is scary, Chometz Sholva Pesach. It's Asa You can't ha- you have any benefit from Chometz that wasn't sold for Pesach. That's true. But on the other hand, chom- it, on the other hand, it's a derabonin, and to rely on the, uh, to trust another Jew, and to realize it's only a derabonin, that's certainly not such a terrible thing. What happens right away anyway is that you go to these stores even after a few days or whatever it is, and you start buying from him, and you have to know that that man is not buying from somebody who didn't sell his chametz. You have to know that that store owner is careful not to buy from people that didn't sell their chametz. So you're going on the year Shemayim of the store owner, so you could do it here as well. These are some of the ideas of, of, of what you could do for buying food now, and I'd like to open up the phones. If anybody can call in now, let me give you our numbers. Our numbers are, the studio is 718-683-5858, and you can reach us now to ask your questions, 718-683-5858. Five eight. If you have a difficulty, if you want to text us, text us at 347-927-8398. 927-8398. That's 347-927-8398. And the studio number, 718-683-5858. You can call in now and you'll be able to get through to us right away. We'll be able to answer your questions, hopefully on the topic of Chomet Shavah Pesach. I see people are calling in now. And you can still reach us, 718-683-5858. Please do uh, text us at 347-927-8398. Before we answer any of the questions of people calling in, I just want to say a word about our friends at Glotmart, were clean, conveniently located at 1205 Avenue M. When I think of Glotmart, I think of price, service, convenience, and quality. Whether you shop for a few items or a full wagon load, you can save plenty of money by shopping at Glotmart. And their weekly specials run from Wednesday to Tuesday, and they are usually about 50 items on sale every single week. And if you want to save some time, just pull into Glotmart from the East 12th Street entrance, and there's valet parking. You can have everything, your car will be ready for you when you finish shopping in the store and take everything back with you. Be ready, the car will be ready for you when you've loaded up with all those special items you purchased in the store. And at Glotmart, the quality of meats is A1. With kosher certification from both the Star K and Vada Kashas of Flatbush, with base Yosef meats and with expert Nikor, at Glotmart, you're getting quality kashras. Glotmart is at 1205 Avenue M. Meeting your shopping needs is their top priority. If you meet Dovin Glotmart, tell him you heard about Glotmart on Kashrus on the Air over J Root Radio. So, uh, 
Uh, I yeah. wish we'll be on, on air right now on online and the phone lines and the Bezad Hashem we will be eventually on air and uh, everybody that uh, just listen to us 718-506-9099 718-506-9099 or 712-432-4217 and uh, on the internet on the internet yes okay. uh, JRoot Radio or JRoot Radio Pro uh okay okay uh so now let's go to the uh, busy callers go ahead please you're on kashmas on the air can i help you yeah if you have something that's not certified but it's not common like oh, for example right. yeah for example lollies and you didn't sell it over pesach are you allowed to have pleasure from it a hundred percent the uh if you didn't sell lollies there isn't a problem because lollies are going to be only we call kidneyos, and if you're Sephardi, you don't have to worry about it. But Anashkenaz worries about kidneyos, and there's no problem. You don't have to sell it for Pesach. Kidneyos only has to be put away. And while you're asking that question, let me share with all of you who are listening the following: There are plenty of things that you could buy in a store, and that don't tie into chametz Sha'aval or Pesach. Most of the things that like the like ketchup and mayonnaise and mustard and pickles, even though there's vinegar in them, in America, most of the vinegar is from corn. It's true that in Europe, make, they use a lot of uh, wheat uh, based uh, from, um, from grain, but in America, you shouldn't worry about it, and you should be able to buy your ketchup, mayonnaise, mustard, and pickles right away after Pesach. Another thing, flour is... Uh, flour is not um, is is not chametz. I know flour becomes chametz when you mix it with water, but a bag of flour is not chametz. We sell it for Pesach, okay, because it got a little bit there was a moisture that might have happened uh, from the way the it's processed. But basically, you could buy it at any store after Pesach. Any store don't have to worry about buying flour, and the ketchup and the pickles and the vinegar. Basically, as I said before, baker's yeast. Uh, and yeast extract, these are things you could buy in a store after Pesach, and you have absolutely no concern. So that's a very good question. Thank you for listening. Okay. Okay, we have another caller. Go ahead. You're on Kasha's on the air. Well, hello? Yes. Is Hershey's chocolate kosher? Well, again, kosher is a funny word. Uh, the word Hershey's chocolate, pro- the ones that have an OU on it, are under the OU, OU certified, and the, the, and most of them are, I think all of them are dairy. There are some uh, things I think that are parva. I think the syrup may be, the, the chocolate syrup might be parva, but all the other things are dairy. So kosher, I mean, it's OU. That's, okay? How, uh, wait, what school are you in? Necheder. Necheder, thank you for calling. Okay, another call. Go ahead. You're on, on cautious on the air. Can I help you? Yes, hello. I uh, Two questions. Number one, if you store your flour in the freezer all year, can you still sell it for Pesach? You could sell something that you have stored in, in the freezer. I know women are not mo- going to... It's li- moist. It's moisture because of the freezer. Uh, again, again well, let's, go, let's go back one step. Okay. I, I can have. I can in have. No, 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 no. One second. I sift it. One second. One second. I can have bread in my freezer and sell it. Uh huh. But I have right. to have. It has to be an area that is designated for the goy if he wants to come and to examine it and to take it. Now, 
women don't want to hear that. People are not going to want to do it. But, uh, but, but here you talk about the flower. Uh, the halacha is just that it has to be not put out of the way. It has to be in an area that's designated and sold to the non-Jew. In the contract that your husband writes and gives over to the rabbi, he usually asks, where is the chametz stored? And you have to say that I have some chametz in the back of the freezer, and that, that's where the, you're keeping it. It should be seg, it, 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 it set off and uh, set apart. If you remember, in the good old days, where they didn't have Pesach stores, and the fellow had a store, and he sold, he had chametz, and he had, uh, and he started selling Pesach items, and he covered over the um, the, pe- the chametz items with some kind of paper, right. and they stayed right there on the stands. It didn't move at all. So uh, the halacha doesn't require more than that. Some people might say, might get a little bit upset when I'm saying now. They might say it should be a totally separate designated area. There should be, and there should be actually be a door or a lock or something like that. That is an issue. One could create something of a similar nature, perhaps in the freezer. I don't really recommend this whole idea to anybody, but you're asking me the halacha, especially when we're talking about flour, which we are going to say is not chametz. So therefore, we have an additional reason why we should be allowed to do something of this nature. But I don't want a paskin. I think it's something you should ask your rov next year. It is doable as far as I understand. Yes, we're supposed to have a a mechitza. We're supposed to have it locked up. We're supposed to do something of that nature. So you do have to create that effect just the way they did it in the stores. You have to do it in your freezer. Okay, thank you. One more question. Yes. If I live in an area where there's an Erev, and I know you're not allowed to carry a Yantif, only the Surah Yantif, does the Erev also apply to Yantif? If someone carries an Erev, are they allowed to carry on Yantif, not for Surah Yantif? I didn't grasp what you're saying. You're allowed to carry on Yantif, not for Surah Yantif, because if of the Erev. If you live in an Erev, an Erev. Well, again, do you rely on the Erev? You don't rely on the Erev. If you rely on the Erev. Okay, so if, if you rely on the Erev, then you don't have any question about carrying on Shabbos or Yom Tov. Okay. No, some of my sons will say it only applied to Shabbos, not to Yom Tov. No, 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 no. It, 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 it's to permit any time that carrying is an issue. There's no problem of carrying something in your house that's not Sarech Yom Tov. So this is just an extension of your house. Okay. Thank you very much. You're I'm welcome. so glad you're back on the air. Okay. Thank you. Thank uh, before you. we right. go on to any of the other callers, I want to do two things. One is I want to read a couple of the... Uh, a couple of the uh, texting we're getting over here. Somebody said they found clay, uh, clay dough, um, with for the ki- kids, uh, the kids' clay dough, which is a uh, play dough actually. So it's clay. No, they found clay. Uh, well, I don't know exactly what it's saying, but if you found play dough, play dough is a shaila that it is uh, chametz. And if you didn't involve in selling it at all, yes, I wouldn't. Uh, I would think you have a shaila here because some of the play dough is definitely chametz. So if you haven't included in the sale, it would be a stickle of a problem. But what happens is we go and do bittel. So when you do bittel, then uh, doesn't that take care of everything? When you nullify it before Pesach, you say everything I have is nullified. That's any chametz. It doesn't take care of that which is in your possession. Things that are in your possession do have to be destroyed. Even though there was a bittle made, things that are in your possession do have to be destroyed. If you didn't destroy it, it creates a problem. A shul that I know, they discovered on uh, Pesach, 
I'm sorry. Uh, on, uh, yeah, on Pesach, they discovered, right, on Chol, uh, beginning and the, the end of Yom Tov, before Cholamoy, they discovered matzah that was chametzdika matzah. And that matzah had to be burnt, even though everyone said, call chamira, and the Rav or the Shul or who were president or whatever it is said they were called Chamira. And even though they put, it, was in a, it was in a cabinet, so it could have been technically sold to the Goy, but it wasn't in a cabinet that was uniquely the things that they were going to put away for Pesach. So it was forgotten. Nobody checked. It was in a Shul. Two boxes of matzah. So somebody came over to me and he discussed the whole topic with me. I don't want to tell you the story now because it takes too long to tell. It's a very interesting story. Bekitzer, we went through the halachas, and they showed this fellow why it has to be done. He thought maybe it doesn't have to be done because it was maybe the maybe the matzah isn't even though it's not doesn't say kashul pesach. Maybe it's matzah. It's baked quickly, so it doesn't rise. You don't see any bread in it, so maybe it's really kashul pesach. So you don't have to destroy it. And he, I tried to tell him no, and we went through a different t- discussion over there. Finally, he understood. He has to burn it and destroy it. So I saw him the next morning, and I asked him. So what happened? Did you burn the, how did the, the chametz burning go? He said, I didn't do it. I said, what are you talking about? We, we spent the time, I showed you, you have to burn it. That's what the, the, the rabbi told you, and that's what everybody told you. you. They gave it to you, and they told you to take care of it. He says, I know. But what happened was, I, I left it to the morning. I don't know why he left it to the morning. It should have been done that night. I left it to the morning, and then I went looking around for wood, and by the time I came, the garbage man had already taken it. So he didn't get a chance to actually burn the chametz, which he should have done. But that's something was in your possession, even though you made the, the kol chamira, and you definitely don't want to have it, you are supposed to burn it, and that's what I showed him in the Shulchan Aruch, that you have to burn it. Okay, then another uh, question we have is, asked about ShopRite on Avenue I. Uh, the ShopRite on Avenue I, I'm not going to get into details, but ShopRite on Avenue I, the, the chametz was sold, by uh, uh, through, I believe, Rabbi Beck. I believe so. You can check it at the store. And I'm sure that he did a proper sale. I don't know what the store has in it, but I, I'm guessing the store was open selling chametz all Pesach. And that old child that we discussed before applies. Yes, Rabbi Moshe said it worked for the sale of the, of, of the things that he had. But as far as for you to buy something, the things there, but the question about uh, him getting more things on Yom Tov, uh, I don't know if he did. You have to find out if he got more things on Yom Tov, and you have to find out uh, where he's getting things now. I'm sure he's not careful about Chomet of Pesach, buying with the source he buys it from. I just want to sh- uh, share with you that in ShopRites, they don't do regular buying, most of them. They, just, they can buy from outside vendors, but they very often buy through a thing called Wakefern. And Wakefern is owned by all the ShopRites as a conglomerate together. Where they get their things from, I have no idea. Anyway, this is something that uh, needs a lot of research, and I personally recommend always to go to the from person and rely that he has Yerush mind. That's my personal suggestion. Uh, there are more questions. People are calling in, so let's take some of the callers. Go ahead. You're on yeah, cautious on the air. You're on the air. I have a question for you. Um, um, like sometimes you would see like um, like a caution for um, for. For like um like that these equipment were used for like eggs for like the for the allergy warnings and um they say that like on Pesach they said that these were used for like 
like maybe like kidney stuff and it was like let's say it was a non-Jewish company that was making Jewish like made a, a Jewish run. Yeah. But I would say that it was used for other stuff like like okay. um good, good like question. kidney stuff and good point. Let's say we let's go war. Let's say better than that. It's used for it has that it's a it's in a factory that has wheat in it, which is really hard. It's well say right. Okay. So the thing is like this. When you go to Kash, when you when you deal with a, 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 a proper company that has proper hashkocha from a hashkocha that you trust, they took care of all of that. Yes, you could even have in the plant, even while I'm there making a Pesach run, you could have chametz in the plant, and I have proper control that nothing is going wrong. Yes, I could do that, and especially if it's a from company or it's a you know it's a Hamish Ashkocha and they have a Mashkiach Tamidi that's standing there or the OU has for Pesach and Mashkiach Tamidi standing there and all of the things that you're concerned about have been taken care of. But as far as the government and as far as the the warnings, the company has to protect itself because there's they, they get sued like crazy and therefore they're gonna put that wording on even if the thing the machinery has been kashered. I'm gonna tell you a quick story and uh, it goes back uh, a few years, and I was together with uh, my good friend Avram Jorvel, who was kashering a bakery for Pesach. And let me tell you something: the whole place almost burned down. The fire that he set, that which was on uh, briquettes, shot up to the ceiling. I thought the whole place was crashed. I ran out of the building. Personally, I ran out of the building. I was thought he felt confidence that he had everything under control, and I was absolutely scared out of my mind. When they when they kasher. They really kosher, my friend. The, the, the flames were shooting up six, eight, ten feet high. I mean, it was scary. So it, I, I'm not talking about uh, a game. When they kosher, they kosher. So you don't have to worry. That, thank you for calling. I also have one more question. Yeah, go ahead. Shoot. Some stuff also say that they make a certain run. Like, the, the, um, I, I saw, like, in the store, and I think it was in Chap, right? That they're selling kosher... Kosher um, hamburger buns that were made with like dairy equipment or has dairy ingredients in it? Well, dairy ingredients and dairy equipment and dairy in the, in the building and uh, dairy and uh, uh, made on dairy equipment, for the, when it's, it depends where it's put. Let's go over it quickly. If the product says DE, then that means it was on dairy equipment. If the product says Parava, it was not made on dairy equipment. It, it, even though it says in the ingredients somewhere now or in the, t- the bottom of the panel, it's being put in there just for the warning for the allergies. And they have to say that, yes, it's called dairy equipment for the allergies, but it's not really dairy equipment because it's been koshered. It has halachically been t- become parva. That's what they do. So you don't have to worry if you have a decent ashkocha. Those things are usually taken care of. Can there be a mislabeling? Yes. But you'll see it in my magazine. We have all the mislabelings. And uh, in general, you don't have to worry about them unless you spot that there is a mislabeled product. Thanks a lot for calling. Thank what, you. I'm very cool? happy that uh, Jarrett Radio is up again. What, what are you, what, uh, what, uh, where do you, what yeshiva are you in? The Cheder. The Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. Okay, another call. Go ahead. You're on Kashus, uh online. Yeah, if, if you... Will. What's, if you found some flour in a place they didn't sell to the guy, are you allowed, if you found a little flour, 
Are you allowed to use that such as in the cake? The answer is, the answer is, we said that you could even go. Uh, you, you don't consider that to be chametz of a pesach. You should have sold it, and, and and I'm sure that your father did say at least say the call chamira in which he gave it up, and we're not going to call that chametz. Just like I said before, you could go to any place and buy plain flour after pesach, and you don't have to go to a store that specially sold the chametz. So yes, if you didn't sell it, that flour is still kosher. Okay. okay, thank you for the call. You're on Kashmir Sunday. Uh, can I help yeah, you? Hello? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, um, I have a question. Yeah, go ahead. In, in the, about the flour. Uh, a high gluten flour, though, it says on it that it has in it malted barley. That's what it's made from. Right, so how can you use it? Is, well, is malted, it malted barley. It says malted barley? Well, then that's yeah. an ingredient. That's not the regular uh, flour. That, that's one that has an ingredient. So then obviously that would be different. You're right. Thank you very so much for the, for the information. And also, many flowers are bleached. That's correct. They are bleached, but the, the, the bleaching is not uh, a washing in the sense of, of uh, exactly what they do. I don't know what the bleaching is, but it's, it whitens it. But obviously, uh, the, even the goyim don't want their flower to become chomets. So they're not putting a liquid in there that's going to make it chametz. Because if they would do that, then they would be, you'd see puffed up little bunches in there and no one would buy that flour. Your flour is remaining in little, little uh, pieces, you know, the way flour does. And that's still the reason you're buying it. If you would see the clumps, you wouldn't buy it. So exactly how they do that, I don't know. But my Rebbe Zatzal, Rav Zim and Zatzal told us what I just told you. And I just also read it from the Star K uh, they, they have a, a little thing that uh, online, which is about this, uh, three, four pages, explaining what to do about Chomach or Pesach, and they mentioned there that flour could be bought from anywhere. Okay? Okay, okay the, thanks. The high gluten I hear. Thank you very much for the call. Okay, thanks. Bye-bye. Uh, before we go on to anything and else, I and I see so we have it. a lot of uh, callers coming, and there's, there's a, lot of, uh, a, lot of, a lot of texting here, I just want to do two things quickly. One, I want to remind people that I would like to know if you're listening tonight. Just email me personally at kashrus, K-A-S-H-R-U-S, at AOL.com. Just say the words, I'm listening. That's all. I don't need your name, nothing. Just, I'm listening. Send that email to kashrus at AOL. And now I want to make a special offer. And we're all very excited about JRoot. We're, we're happy to be able to, to listen to it on a regular basis. I know in many, many, many people coming over to me and asking about it and very interested in listening to the shows on, on the J route. And therefore, uh, I think it's important for all of us to support this organization. And uh, I would love everybody to get our magazine, which is Kashrus Magazine. Our next issue is going to be about the travel guide. We have a, a, a book that's going to be about 135, 150 pages long, which is uh, all the different travel spots across the country. 
Last year, we did 267 cities across the U.S., and uh, we probably will have more this year. I don't know the exact number. Maybe it's 270, 280. I don't know how, how it's going to go, but certainly we'd, uh, we're not expecting to have less. So it's a great opportunity. It's updated all the time. We're updating it at this moment. As we're talking right now, the secretaries are updating it, and uh, we're expecting a very, very special book coming out in about three to four weeks. So that's something that you don't want to miss. And, I, I, and no one wants to miss supporting JRoot. So I'm making a special offer, and I'll tell you how I want to do it. For, for a contribution to JRoot of $50 or more, I'll give two subscriptions to Kashrus Magazine. A subscription is $25 a year, so you're going to get two subscriptions for a donation of $50 or more to JRoot. Uh, what, what you, the subscriptions could be to yourself, to a relative, to the rabbi, to a shul, to an organization. You could send one to your office, one to your house. Whatever you want, your kids, whatever you want, get yourself two subscriptions. We're interested in getting more readers. JRoot needs the money, and, the, and most of the money goes to JRoot, uh, except $7 per subscription. So uh, it's, the money is going to JRoot. What I want you to do is contact us at kashrus at aol.com, K-A-S-H-R-U-S at aol.com, or call us, that means Kashrus Magazine, at 718-336-8544. Again, 718-336-8544. Just leave your telephone number anytime, day or night. Tell us to call you back. We'll get you during, the, during uh, whatever time you want. Tell us to call AM, PM, nighttime, give a cell, give a, whatever it is, whatever you want. And we'll get in contact with you. We'll get a credit card, or we'll tell you how to send a check. But the money is going to JRoot, except $7 per subscription. $50 or more, this money is very important. The station does need your support now. So write it down, Kashrus, K-A-S-H-R-U-S, at AOL.com, or 718 718- Three three six, eight five four four, and just leave your information, and we'll get back to you to take your donation of fifty dollars or more to support JRoot, and you'll be receiving two subscriptions to Kashrus Magazine. Okay, we still have callers. Yes, go ahead. You're on Kashrus on the air. Can I help you? Yeah. If if you're in a if you work in a factory, you used to use a machine for common stuff, but if actually, I mean, if you if you got a mach- if you work in a factory, you got a you bought a machine, and it was used and it was used for comments. Is anything that was made for Pesach anything like? Is it was it is what was it? Malkasha Pesach, they have to burn it. Uh, see, I, let me see if I got it right. You have a machinery that is really comments. However, it became chametz, right? And now you made something that doesn't have any chametz ingredients, but it was made on that equipment. So you want to know if I have to burn it, you have to destroy it now, if that's considered to be chametz. No, because it was made before Pesach, in which case it would have been bottled. Anything that would be there would be nullified. And therefore, that, that food, I wouldn't eat it on Pesach, but I would say you didn't do any Avera, and you could eat it after Pesach. Okay. Okay? Okay. Thank you very much for the call. Okay, another call. Go ahead. You're unconscious on the air. 
Hello, hello, Wicker? Yes, go ahead. Good evening, this is Avram. I, I recognize my voice. I, I recognize your voice, Avram. Okay, uh, I have a question. If a person wants something to baked after Pesach, I mean, how far does it go? I'm saying uh, some bakeries, they buy the, chomet, the, the, the flour after Pesach. A particular bakery, I don't know which one, but... If you, I know there is how one could you be nicer than that if the, if the flour is anyway chomets? Because today they bleach everything and they wash it. So I'm saying, is there really a reason to have a chumrah to give back enough Pesach, or it's a gimmick to sell uh, cake and, uh, and rogalach? I, I think it's, it's neither one of those. I think, that, <laughs> I, think, I, think it's, uh, I think that purely halachically, most of the Rabbanim are saying that flour could be bought and any store and is not considered chametz, and it's not chametz over la pesach. That's the way the star K is giving out. That's how my Rebbe Zatzal taught. I don't know. And this young, young man called before. He said, "If you have a flower, we didn't. The bleaching thing didn't seem to be an issue, but the other part he mentioned about this, there's some kind of malted barley inside. Then, of course, malted barley is an ingredient, and that would be an issue. But regular flour." as I understand it, does not have a chametz problem. I wouldn't not sell it. If I had it in my house, I would sell it. I wouldn't leave it lying around. But, uh, but, I, uh, but I wouldn't call it chametz sh'avar or pesach. On the other hand, there are people, like you said, who are very careful. And they did. Ha- and there, are, there is a bakery that claims that they buy all the stuff up until, I think, Shavuos time. They right. buy all the flour, and uh, therefore they don't have a problem with it. But yes, why I, is it? A, is there a problem according to some place, Kim? I don't know. I don't know if it's a, I don't know if it's a, a, a halacha or a chumrah issue. In other words, obviously the star K doesn't agree. Okay. I'm, I'm looking right now. Let me just tell you. I'm yes. looking at something. It's called Star K Online Guide to Purchasing Chumrahs After Pesach, and they have a long list of things of what you have to buy in a special store and what you don't have to. And the things you don't have to include flour, including whole wheat flour, he says, also. Right. Interesting. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank and we it's a pleasure to hear uh, the station and you again on, on the air. And we want to have you on the show again. Yeah. Take care, Avram. Go ahead. Let's go, please. Hello? Oh, yeah. Go ahead. You're on the cautious on the air. Yes. I have a question. Um, we're checking lettuce. Yes. Right? So I was once by positive uh, place, and they pulled out a. Uh, uh, a, a worm, like a little, I forgot what it's called, uh, you know, besides the thing, no, not lettuce, not lettuce, celery. Yeah. Sorry, celery. That's a leaf yeah, miner. Leaf, leaf miner. Yes, leaf miners. So, it's, I, since then, I'm, I was there like four years ago, five years ago, I never once found a leaf miner. I was always trying to find it, I couldn't find it. That, that, the problem. I never, I never myself was able to find it, and I went now, there I happened to be in a big uh, yeshiva, in a, just the kitchen. I don't work there. And, and I asked Mashkia how he checks the celery. And he said he just washes it off. Celery is the easiest thing. He just washes it off. And he doesn't check it for leaf miners. Okay. So first and I see positive they came out with, with leaf miners. Okay. okay. Let, let, new, new celery. Let, 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 let's, let's start from square one. What okay. you saw when you were in pod, did you go with me, with my group? No, I didn't go with you. Okay. Actually, I wanted the OU. Uh, okay, fine. OU tour. Fine. O- OU. Uh, fine. Wonderful. Right. OU. OU tour. Very the o- the OU uh, the summer program. Very uh, good. Ask OU. Ask, ask OU. OU yeah. Okay. It, let me tell you something. 
you okay. saw the reality then. What you right. saw is what happens. Anybody can spot the leaf miner. It's not wasn't something that was invented by positive. It wasn't planted there just for you, for you for, to fool you. I have videos of it. I I I send the videos. It's hard for me to send the videos to people because it's a huge thing, and I don't remember really shipping it easily. But uh, yes, th- there are a hundred percent leaf miners in the celeries that we buy in the store. It could be that you're buying high quality, and it could be you don't know how to look. It it, it takes a little bit of chachmah and a little bit of experience how to look. If you want, I'll I've done it before, and I'll do it again. If you send me an email to kashrus, K-A-S-H-R-U-S, at AOL.com, just kashrus at AOL.com, write the word celery. Anybody who's listening, write the word celery, and I will send you pictures. I can't send the videos because they're too hard for me to send. Uh, it's, a, it's time consuming. I'm not going to be able to do it. But I will send you the pictures. So you can send me an email and I will send you the pictures of the, of the celery. You'll be able to spot it. It is a very interesting thing to watch for their trails. Yes, they do exist. I don't say you're going to get it all the time. Baruch Hashem, you're probably buying high quality and maybe you don't no, but see this it. Guy bar- this guy is positive. No, positive. He bought, it, he bought it in Borough Park in a yeah. regular store, high-quality lettuce. He pulled out for me a live leaf miner. Right, right. And I, I never was able to do it. Well, I tried following trails and everything. I couldn't get it. You found trails? Yeah, I found like oh. trails like brown. Okay, so like now, brown. okay. Now, 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 now I didn't understand the question. You found the trails, and you don't know how to see the, find the leaf miner. Well, there's, two, there's a few possibilities. Number one... He may be left. Number two, he may be embedded deep into the celery because instead of continuing in that trail, he went inwards. But he definitely existed or there couldn't have been a trail. Can I eat the the celery? The answer is no. And I'll tell you why. Yeah, according to uh, the people, uh, Rabbi uh, Rabbi Goldstein, you shouldn't eat that celery. I I think you could maybe cut away an inch or so above, an inch or so below. But that's not much left anymore. Uh, it, but the problem is that uh, that spot where you see the uh, trail, that right. those little brown things, that's his leavings. That's what he uh, left, Nebuch. So right. you, you can't eat that, and you wouldn't want to eat that. So really, you're not going to eat part of it uh, anyway. And if it's a long trail, for sure, it's going to knock out most of the celery. And the other thing you said about just the, the rab- that other gentlemen just wash it off and, and, and use it. So let me tell you, they don't always wash it well, some of these places. And you can find a real bug on it. Number two, I want to tell you that those, uh, the, the area where there's the green uh, leaves over there, that has to be removed. Because those right, leaves are the I same know, leaves. Yeah. I know, but the ju- you didn't mention that the rabbi, d- that the Mashkiach did it, and he really should have. Oh, okay. Thank you very much for okay. the call. Thank you so much, Rabbi. You're, you're welcome. We only I'm have so one minute rabbi. and one minute left, and I'm very happy to be back after Pesach on the, on the radio um, uh, and on the station. And uh, we're looking forward to being here every week. Let me just uh, remind the people that we, we made uh, two requests here. One is that you uh, just say, I'm listening, send it to Kashrus, K-A-S-H-R-U-S at AOL.com. And we made an appeal. 
I know we didn't give much time to it, but if you can spend the, the few minutes, write a, write a check or make a call and, uh, and give us your credit card, we need $50 or more uh, as a, a gift to JRoot, and we'll send you two subscriptions to Cautious Magazine for a year. A $50 value for $50, and almost all of it goes to JRoot to keep uh, the JRoot activities running so that you won't miss any of our wonderful shows. So until next week, this is your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler from Cautious Magazine, uh, from, on, uh, from Cautious on the air.